0: Welcome to the Montague Reporter Podcast. My name is Sarah Brown-Anson. I am the host and producer. I'm here with Mike Jackson, the managing editor of the newspaper. Hi, Mike.
1: Hi, Sarah. Thanks for doing this podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. You're welcome. So I was excited to learn that the newspaper is going to be able to, subscribers will be able to pick up their newspaper in four locations, starting with the next edition.
1: Yeah, this is we're going into uh, phase three of our COVID-19 distribution mess. Um, when the pandemic hit, we paused our uh, our delivery routes and initially paused our printing. So we went for four weeks as a digital only publication. And um, a lot of people, uh, then couldn't really see the newspaper or, you know, let us know that they preferred having a print edition. Um, Although others really enjoyed being able to read us in in PDF online. So phase two, um, we've been printing and um, allowing people still to read the paper for free online. And then we've also been mailing out to all subscribers a newspaper um, unless they opt out of it. And that has gone well, but it has also meant a lot of work. And is really costing a bit of money. If we were going to do that all year, we would be losing money, definitely, on on people's subscriptions. So um, about, I think, 24% of our subscribers, last time I had checked, had opted out of mail delivery. Um, We're just trying to add another option. And what we're doing is um, we're going to have a bunch of locations where subscribers can pick their copy up and uh, we will probably add some some more locations as we go along but um so far it's going to look like the, the leverett village co-op the wendell country store Uppengill, red fire north and for folks in downtown turners um gonna gonna figure out a way to do it um, around the newspaper office uh on avenue a somewhere maybe we'll do a bin or something but we're going to see you know, who, who opts into that and kind of go from there. Um, but we do uh, encourage subscribers, if they're getting it in the mail and want a print copy, um, but could save a stamp to go with this uh, third option. And if so, um, to let us know, uh, info at montaguereporter.org, or just give us a call at 863-8666 and let us know you want to do that pickup thing.
0: Nice. So it's an opt-in thing. and. If I'm going to pick up my newspaper, I should let you know so you don't have to mail me one and you don't have to pay for the stamp?
1: Exactly, yeah. It would be doing us a favor. And this will probably go for for a month, maybe a month and a half. Um, we're we're really hoping to get our regular home delivery reestablished this summer.
0: Nice. Okay, so quick logistical question. If I go to Uppingill and, and I want a newspaper, do I just grab one and... Will people think I'm stealing it, or like, do I have to tell someone, oh, I'm a subscriber? How does that work?
1: What we're going to do is, if you've been getting one in the mail, we're going to just still be printing those labels, but just sticking them right on the paper, and there'll be a spot where you can go and, and grab the paper that has your name on it. I should also just add, um, there's only a few places that we have been um, selling on newsstand recently. Um Places are, are reopening, so th- this list is going to grow. But we are on newsstands right now at Food City, uh, the Leverett Village Co-op, and the Wendell Country Store, um, up and Gill, as I said, and F.L. Roberts in Turner's Falls. Uh, but in the coming weeks, we're going to we're going to uh, add some of those. Um, we heard Scotty's on the Hill just reopened, so I might might bring some papers up there this weekend.
0: Great, keep us updated.
1: Oh, and Greenfield's market in Greenfield.
0: Let's dive into this week's newspaper and A1, page A1. There were two stories of towns trying to grapple with having a safe town meeting this year, Uh, Montague and Leverett, and they're taking um, somewhat different approaches. Can you give us the lowdown on that?
1: So in our towns, the highest governing body is town meeting town meeting sets the annual budget and makes any necessary changes to the bylaws and the spring town meeting, the annual town meeting is, is, you know, this big important uh, once a year event that has to happen in all the towns. And it happens a little bit differently Um, in Gill, Irving, Wendell, and Leverett. Anyone can show up. And in Montague, there are elected members. Um, There's 21, Elected members to town meeting from each of six wards. So it's uh, 126 town meeting members are supposed to go to this thing. Um, Leverett is also unique in that they don't have a town, a regular town election. They just elect officers uh, directly from the floor of town meeting every year. So obviously we are in the midst of a pandemic and uh, large gatherings have been banned. So uh, while the towns have been able to, to delay town meeting. Uh, they still kind of need to happen and should happen before the fiscal year starts um, on July 1st. So this is this is a challenge and everyone's trying to figure it out differently. Uh, in Leverett they've set a date but they haven't found a spot because the place that they usually have it which is the Leverett Elementary School uh, Gymnasium Auditorium is too small. Um, people would be packed in there so they're trying to find a larger spot. They might do it outdoors in a tent. They might do it uh, in an arena or stadium at UMass. Uh, they're they're still trying to figure that one out. Mm-hmm. And in Montague, they've decided that the Turner's Falls High School gym will be big enough. They usually do it in the auditorium there. So they think the gym will be big enough that people can kind of keep a safe distance from each other. And uh, this is a controversial decision because... They actually surveyed town meeting members and a really strong majority said that they would prefer to do uh, an online meeting, and the uh, the town select board did not decide to go
0: with that decision. Yeah, that's interesting. And how many people are they going to try to fit into the high school gymnasium?
1: Well, for it to be a valid town meeting, they've got to get a two-thirds... Um, of their members there. that That's a quorum. So two-thirds of uh, 126, um, at least they're hoping. Uh, we got a letter to the editor this week that we ran um, from a frustrated town meeting member, Chris Sawyer who said that uh, he can't be there in person. And he's talked with about 10 other people uh, who are also town meeting members who say they won't. So we'll see what happens, whether, whether enough people think that it's going to be safe enough to gather in, in public, um, for them to make quorum this year. It's a real challenge.
0: I definitely feel like this is the most, um, this is one of the most interesting political repercussions of, um, of living in the coronavirus pandemic. It's like the political crisis that emerges from, not having access to a public sphere where people can gather in person. So this is just one example.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the ultimate example. I mean, if you think about you know, the, the polity of New England towns is at its base rooted in gathering. And if people aren't able to gather or aren't able to transition to, to gathering uh, online, then it's really a conundrum
0: Mm -hmm. okay mike we have to talk about this series that has been gracing the front page of the paper for the last three weeks uh you call it that's another story it's with mr bush um talking about um his long and rich life in turner's falls
1: Yeah, uh, this is the kind of thing I love doing, just uh, transcribing a a conversation with someone who's got some interesting things to say. Mr. Bush, George Bush, uh, lives on 4th Street and has um, done so since, you know, the 1930s and was on 5th Street before that. And uh, a lot of people know him, you know, because he goes to to a lot of high school sporting events here. Um, He's a a well-known local figure. And... Um, a lot of, you know, I would say older older folks locally had him as a teacher um, at the, the high school or at the grammar school. So uh, I've been for a long time uh, meaning to, to sit down with him and, you know, pick his brain and, and interview him. Um, and uh, when he got back from Florida this spring, uh, we, we set it up. And um, it was such a long conversation that I decided to break it into three whole parts. So the last three weeks have been parts one, two, and three of, of this interview.
0: My favorite part of That's Another Story this week was Mr. Bush talking about his mother and just like really appreciating his mother and how she was an immigrant. She couldn't really read well, but she raised kids who all went on to college and um, really encouraged them to pursue education. And then it was really his story about returning to where his mother lived at one point in her life was really poignant and um, and touching. And, and he got to connect with a relative. I think it was his mother's nephew. And just, yeah, it was an amazing, he put, painted the amazing picture of his, his mother. Um, and I thought that was appropriate because it was the week of Mother's Day.
1: Yep. Um, His mother immigrated in 1906 from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Uh, He identifies his mother as being Polish, and Poland has moved around a fair amount over the years, uh, but her home village is in Ukraine. And, yeah, the most striking thing to me was, you know, he um, tracked down someone who she had been corresponding with, um, who was, you know, a first cousin of his, and, and they met for the first time. He said it was, you know, ten or fifteen years ago. So mm-hmm. that puts him, you know, in his in his late seventies, early eighties at that point. I just can't imagine, you know, meeting meeting so close of a, of a relative after so many years. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's really a story of migration there mm-hmm. and of kind of the the weight of time.
0: Uh, amazing. Um, if you haven't read it yet, I really encourage you to do so. Um, and you know, if you don't have uh, the papers anymore from the last couple of weeks or you just are an online reader, go online um, and read those columns because they're really a treat.
1: I think that uh, my favorite part was, um, you know, he's a, he's a sports guy for sure and uh, talking about, you know, really where that came from um, talking about being a kid growing up and, you know, playing in the alleys here in Turner's and and playing at unity park and kind of what the scene was at unity park. Uh, It was quite a, quite a little civilization here in Turner's at that time. And, you know, he really kind of can bring you into it. Describing, describing what unity park was like, I think will be in, in some of those future columns if we get a chance to talk again.
0: Cool. Looking forward to it. Mike, there's definitely a lot of anxiety about our little towns here in Franklin County and how small businesses will make it through the economic crisis that's going on right now. In that vein, Sarah Robertson wrote a really interesting story this week about rent for small businesses, who is still paying rent, Um, how landlords are getting through and how small businesses are working or not with their landlords to kind of figure out a good solution. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Sure. Well, so many spaces have been closed. Um, there's a pretty automatic loss of revenue for many businesses right now. And, um, you know, there's some different forms of relief coming down, but, uh, probably not enough to cover everything. Um, one of the forms of relief is, you know, from mortgage lenders, um, some are giving, you know, little breaks to, to borrowers. But that doesn't mean that, um, you know, if, if someone is a property owner um, and they get that, they're not required to pass along an equivalent amount of, of savings uh, to their tenants. So it's an interesting little conflict that it creates and um, something that's unfolding, you know, between um, you know, both commercial renters and landlords and also certainly residential Renters and landlords, and uh, we decided to do a piece um, uh, that just looked specifically at, at the commercial tenant question. Um, and Sarah Robertson, you know, called called around, spoke with a lot of business owners um, who rent and um, handful of commercial, uh, you know, landlords, uh, just about how they're doing it and we were really struck, um, by how inconclusive it is. There were no clear patterns. It it still seems to be pretty all over the map. And, um, you know, I think that there were some, if you read between the lines, um, you know, there's, it's a, it's a point of cooperation. Um, and it's also in, in some instances, you know, really a point of conflict. And, uh, Sarah just kind of, you know, um, ran through, you know, kind of took the temperature of what's happening right now. Uh, I, I think it's a good, it ended up being a pretty long piece, you know, 2,000 words. Um, but we had a we had a hard time getting it even down to 2,000 words because um, it, it's such a big uh, issue and it's, it's kind of unfolding in private in all of these different ways. So we wanted to at least kind of get some text, to, you know, out there in public to, to give people a sense of, of how that's shaping up right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, as someone who's not a business owner, but is definitely um, concerned with the future of our town's local economies, it was really interesting to get the perspective of the um, handful of, of business owners that Sarah talked to.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of focus, especially, you know, in in turners and greenfield on this question of keeping the the storefronts on main street and avenue a uh full Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes it's just a matter of you know the the towns kind of leaning on on property owners to you know accept um lower rent um from from commercial tenants just to just to get the um, towns a little bit more happening. I've seen that happen um, a few different times, and the pandemic is just a new a new wrinkle in that story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a whole other side of this, obviously, which is, which is residential tenants um, and how that has been unfolding um, for for a lot of people in their home space. If landlords are are getting a break on their mortgage payments, are they passing it along? Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's another story, um, and one that I'm sure we're going to be uh, looking at and looking at the consequences uh, as this goes on. There's a moratorium on uh, evictions right now in this state, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when that's lifted.
0: When is it currently scheduled to be lifted?
1: I think it was enacted in mid or late April, and it lasts for either four months or until a month and a half after the emergency is declared over so i don't know when this emergency is going to be declared over but um you know unless they unless legislators uh take action again um that could be lifted in in late august and you know we could be seeing a a wave of of, uh, attempted evictions this fall Mm -hmm.
0: that's very concerning
1: (laughs) well it's hard to imagine that everyone will just accept uh, the idea that this pandemic and, and these mandatory closures are, are going to result in a lot of people losing their homes. Um, we'll we'll have to see what happens.
0: I need some like transition music or something. Cause
1: uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> how do I like?
1: Like, change the subject from that bomber of,
0: like, people becoming homeless to, um, how awesome was the opinion page, this issue. I love day two. There was a guest editorial from a candidate for, let me just double check. The guest editorial was by Will LaRose, and he's a candidate for um, state representative in the 2nd Franklin District, and he wrote about, um... He wrote basically in support of creating a Massachusetts Service Corps, which was a um, pretty interesting idea. And then the two letters to the editor, um, also on page A2, both of them were just amazing. Um, I think are like the um, the towns that the newspaper serves are just full of amazing writers. You already mentioned Christopher Sawyer Lausano's letter to the editor about the um, management of town meeting and how it should be. um, Basically, the letter is in support of listening to the poll that was taken and holding the town meeting virtually. And then the second letter just kind of blew my mind. Um... I didn't know what the heck it would be about um, at the beginning, and it just kind of, like, was very kind. It was a very nice letter, like, very human, but apparently there is a artificial squawking noise um, all night to keep birds away from the steeple on the Our Lady of Peace church. So, yeah, just... It's pretty amazing. Um, that was one of my favorite parts of the newspaper this week.
1: The guest editorial from um, Will of Rose, I had initially put further into the paper. Um, I initially had that on page A4, and uh, pretty close to a deadline when I was um, due to set, send this paper into the printer. Uh, I was still trying to work on a, on a lead editorial, and it just wasn't coming together, so you know, I took a deep breath and um, said, okay, well, maybe there's some other way to do it. And um, I, I had thought that uh, that his guest editorial, which is calling for the formation of a Massachusetts Service Corps, and I think is a pretty interesting proposal. I said, hey, you know, um, maybe this will fit. And it fit just about perfectly. And then um, I had the uh, equivalent size hole on page A4 which um, I went into my email and the uh, Massachusetts Audubon had sent you know a guest editorial out and uh, that happened to fit equally perfectly in that hole and you know it was uh, solved a lot of problems in about um, 10 minutes of clicking and uh, (laughs) I'm glad you like the result. Uh, It's a strong page A2 so thanks for Thanks for saying so. Um, I should also say that Nina Rossi's illustration. Yeah, uh, I was is, just about to
0: mention that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh,
1: readers will have to, listeners to the podcast are, are going um, to be forced to check out our newspaper this week if they want to see what that illustration is of.
0: It's a pretty awesome illustration, I've got to say. And a surprise, like I didn't even know that was possible. Mm -hmm. trying to be mysterious here so people will have their curiosity piqued, but definitely check out A2 Thanks everyone for listening to the Montague Reporter podcast Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so we can reach more listeners
1: you can buy the newspaper at uh, limited local businesses, and newsstands, or you can subscribe on our website, montaguereporter.org.
0: Thank you, as always, to Blue Dot Sessions for this wonderful music, which I recently heard on an episode of Planet Money. That was weird. Thanks, as always, to Greenfield Community Television for technical support and equipment.
1: Thank you to all of our listeners and to all of our uh, kind, generous, and incredibly attractive readers.
0: <laughs>
1: and thank you to Sarah Brown Anson for making this podcast.
0: Aww. Call us with any feedback 413 863 8666 or email us at podcast at MontagueReporter.org.
1: Planet Money is always trying to copy us. <laughs>